ma, hey ma, I'm waiting outside. <laughs> Cocaine on the line. <laughs> I- it's, it's perfect that that's how the last one ended and you just picked up right where you left off. <laughs> it's just that song always plays in my mind. I hope a Bonnie Vera fan listens to this podcast and is like, man, is he butchering it? Or yeah. just like puts you through the Messina effect and it sounds the same. Oh, yeah. That's my last name, Shane Messina. Shane Messina? Yeah. Uh, guys, welcome back to the uh, to the podcast, to the Slice podcast. Welcome. Where we're covering part two, a.k.a. our deep dish on Bonnie Vera. into the last episode we covered the origins of the band we talked a lot about just justin vernon we talked a lot about his kind of history and the way that he's evolved over the years today we're really going to focus on um the four albums that he has released so far as well as some of the eps that have come in between a little bit more on his live show which we are huge fans of and we talked about uh, quite at length on on the last podcast um, and then just kind of our recommendations and then as we did with the intro podcast we're also going to have a companion playlist that you'll be able to hear on spotify on apple music um, check it out it's got all of our favorite tracks a lot of our of our takeaways from these uh four albums as well as some stuff that we're going to kind of graze over collaborative work that he's done with other artists so welcome back welcome Welcome. Welcome. Um, Where's they say in first Wisconsin? All, hey there. Or hey ma. Hey that, ma. Do you think that that's a, hey like, ma. It's <laughs> great if we went back to the Midwest and that's how everybody greets one another. Hey ma. Hey ma. Hey ma. What do you think of this cheese here, ma? <laughs> um, okay, so you have given. I talked about this a little bit on the last podcast, but you have given it a lot more um, listening recently and i know that you have a massive recency bias so i assume whatever you listen to last is going to be your favorite of his works but i'd love to hear some of your thoughts um listening to his discography and listening to some of the stuff that uh that definitely um you know really just kind of stuck with you i know that there's a few songs that you wanted to listen to or sorry that you wanted to call out yeah for sure i mean i so just for the record, and we'll let the record state, my full name is uh, Shane Recency Bias Messina Effect. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I have a huge recency bias where I just I have a really bad memory. So the, the more recent I listen to something, the more I like it, or the more recently I watch something, I will fight for it to be the best because it's what I can remember. But um, I wanted to try and give everything a free sh- uh, fair shake, so I did go back and listen to a bunch of different stuff by uh, Bonnie Vale and to get an understanding of what I did did really like. Um, and I want to talk about a couple songs with you that I think spoke to me and what my opinions on them are and see maybe if we're on the same page of them or, or what you think about them as well. Uh, just to give also the listeners out there some, you know, something to kind of chew on while they listen to the songs. Um, and I will be honest, none of these songs that I'm talking about are from uh, his first album, for Emma long ago uh, because that album forever ago yeah that's he exactly recency bias this is the first album it was the, the, <laughs> the, oldest, the catalog that I listened to 
but I, there's, you know, I feel like if I pick songs on that, it would just be, you know, Skinny Love and, you know, who needs to talk about that song more at length? But I really wanted to dive into to Perth because I really like that album from the, or sorry, that song from the self-titled album, Bon Iver. Uh, I would say that that song to me, it's it starts the album first off, but it's also the first album, their first song on the album that really foreshadows where he's going in the future. I find uh, the drums are so crisp in that song, and the guitar is crisp, but then he modulates his voice and distorts it mildly to start showing you the direction he wants to take his vocal range. I find where it's layered, it's mildly distorted. It starts becoming less about the lyrics and more about the melodies and really using his voice as an instrument, which I think is the way that he eventually turned up when you look at his projects like 22 million and, you know, I comma I, uh, do you, do you think that that is a, a valuable take on that song? Like, what do you think of Perth? Do you, do you know, kind of the what i'm getting at with that yeah i think uh so it's got the 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 heavy um like kind of non-pattern drums at the end uh it's got kind of that big build up and then it's got that uh that ending with the i don't know what brass instrument it is i want to say it's trumpet that kind of leads out the song but i I do agree with you i think it has a lot of the foundational work for maybe not so much for later in his catalog but a lot for his live show like perth perth sounds like probably the closest song that he plays live on an album version, in my yeah. opinion, maybe yeah. Wolves as well. But but I do think that Perth is pretty um, faithful to what the album version is when he plays it live. And I think a big part of that, to your point, is the drums and just his general, um, uh, you know, his his ability to be able to kind of modulate his ver- voice and, and and just change the way that maybe he had been up until that point. I think it goes on. I was listening to Forema forever ago, a couple of days ago, and there are some songs where he uses auto-tune, but it's a little bit lighter. It's definitely not distorted and run through what sounds like the grinder for the Messina effect. But um, there are definitely some foundational stuff, uh, foundational points that 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 kind of underlie his music on on his self-titled album. So I agree with you. Perth is probably one of my favorite songs on that album. Yes. The first like five songs on Bon Iver, Bon Iver are excellent. Great. The way yeah. that they kind of go into one another. Um, yeah. I, and I would say that the next song that I would want to talk about is actually the sixth song out of those f- first uh, beginning of the album, which is Hinnom, Texas, or however the hell you say that. It's yep. a weird name for a place in Texas. I guess it sounds more like it's from like <laughs> Thailand or something. <laughs> but that uh, that song to me as well is is the synth and throughout that song is and the buildup throughout it. I feel like it takes you definitely on like an emotional journey of what he's feeling through it. It's not necessarily what he's writing, but it's what the instruments are kind of saying. I find I like that to me, when I look at how the synth translates in that song, as the song goes on, the synth gets kind of more like scattered and repetitive, which to me is kind of like when you reflect on something, it kind of is hazy and breaking apart, but it still makes like a clear message in your head at what you're remembering, if that kind of makes sense to you. So looking at a deeper look at that song, that's kind of, that's what that speaks to me when I listen to that song. I think about all the times that I've remembered something that, you know, it's kind of broken, but to me it makes perfect sense. And I draw my conclusion from that. So I don't know if that's necessarily what he's getting at in that song, but that's definitely the way that that song makes me feel. Yeah, it's definitely fragmented. I I can appreciate what you're saying around it being almost fragmented the same way that like a memory would be or the way that it might change over time. So it's not one of my standouts from Bon Iver, Bon Iver, to be honest with you, but, um, 
again, like the whole run of the first part of the album, like it almost reminds me of the dreams love hate a little bit where the transitions are very, very subtle. Um, and it almost seems like you're listening to the same song from the beginning of Perth up until I'm probably going to say about maybe till the beginning or end of towers. Like it just sounds very fluid all the way through, which I really, really love. Yep. And then it starts to sound a little bit more disjointed once you get into the second half of the album songs like Beth rest, which is the closing track, but that first like five song stretch. Yeah. It's just so concise and it almost blends perfectly into one another to the point where you can kind of, you can have some trouble maybe distinguishing where one song ends and the next one starts. Yeah. It's, it's, it definitely is some masterwork on that. And then, the other thing that I love is like Calgary on that album, I think is another great song, which a, it's a Canadian city. So of course I want to talk about it, but there's Shout a, out to Calgary. There's an amazing switch up in that song. And I don't know if, if a switch up is the proper term, the musical term, but there's a point in that song where it turns and it just, Oh, it just sucks me right in. And like, I look at when I think of him live and I think of, when they perform that live, I get that same feeling again, as I do in this album on that song, um, which I think is, it just continuously, whenever I listen to it, I find myself singing along to it uh, and, and loving it. And the best part I think for me is if you know me, you know that I'm like lyrics, the way that I listen to music is very strange. I don't really remember too much in terms of lyrics, but I remember phonetically or like, the melody of how it sounds mm-hmm. so that this album is the, the album in which i can get away with that a little bit more because unless you're reading the lyrics alongside of it it's a little hard to understand at points yeah i agree so it's uh it's definitely interesting but i also like you know going without saying like minnesota the second song is just like, so good so good it's so powerful and again like it's just the way that he sings it's it feels like it's coming from the bottom of his gut instead of like this like surface level singing where he's singing to get the words out. He's actually singing because he feels it, which I really yeah. feel on that song and I love. And it makes me think about our road trip together. So XOXO, hard heart, you know, it's definitely puts me in a special place listening to that. Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota is probably one of the songs that I felt was the most heavily influenced by the work that he had done on uh, Dark Twisted Fantasy and the way that that buzzing, I want to say it's a synth at the end and it just kind of, it's very abrupt and it cuts in. I haven't really heard a sound like that up until this point on any of uh, on any of uh, Forever Forever Ago and up to this point in the album on, um, on Bon Iver, Bon Iver. So I, I love that ending. I love how it just kind of flips. In the same way that you talk about Calgary, I think this song actually has a clear point of kind of you know, it's this, it's this beautiful um, soundscape to begin, and then it just kind of gets a little bit screwed up by that buzzing synth at the end. And then I think he does a good job of hitting all, all of his vocal range on it as well, because he does the falsetto, and then he does the Midwestern kind of deep voice, and then he kind of jumps back um, seamlessly between the two of them throughout the song. It's a shorter song, uh, but it's it's definitely one of my favorites on the album. It's definitely a standout. Yeah, it's it's great. I don't know if you can hear it, but uh, the people outside are revving their engines, agreeing with you on on that statement. I think <laughs> they're really giving her out there. No, I cannot. Is okay, that on your great. end or is yeah, that on no, my it's end? On my end. It's on my <laughs> end. It's on my window. Yeah, still in quarantine. Bangladesh, man, looking out the window, just remembering. <laughs> 
what uh, what it was like out there. So to be outside, yeah, be outside. It's no better time to in Minnesota, water, Wisconsin. That's <laughs> it, Minnesota. <laughs> Um, I could talk a little bit about some of the standouts for me because I think I have a little bit more from from a forever ago, and by a little bit more I mean one, um, or at least one <laughs> from forever forever ago that I'd like to talk about. So, uh, Wolves definitely stands out to me. That's one of my favorite songs uh, from early Boney Bear. Uh, it does have uh, it's you know it's kind of separated in the middle. It has an act one and an act two. It was probably one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song to hear live, other than Blood Bank. Um, before 22 a million came out um, he has this break kind of in the middle of the show where there's a lyric on the song what might have been lost and the the, the crowd kind of creates this echo of it while he's changing his presets on his guitar while he's live on stage to be able to move into part two there's a great performance uh recording of it that i have from a club i think he played in dc in 2011 but i love uh, wolves that's one of my favorite songs uh, in his earth early catalog uh a big part of that just being, yeah, just kind of it's live vibe. And then Blindsided stands out to me as well. It's a little bit more upbeat. Um, again, it has kind of a, a bridge uh, where he's, he expresses himself not only through his more like deep voice, but also goes into his falsetto. And it's really one of his early performances where you really get to hear his voice soar in the way that you do on some of his later albums, even though when it's rang through the Messina effect. Um, but yeah, so Blindsided and Wolves to me are probably the two that stand out the most. There are other songs I like on there as well, but those are definitely the two that I go back to pretty frequently, as well as Skinny Love and Flume, which you'll hear on the intro to playlist. I'm a big fan of those songs as well. Um, in terms of Bon Iver, I think you've hit probably most of them on the second album. The only other song that I'd really, that I have has grown on me immensely over time is Towers. I think both of us really love this song, but it's a little bit more upbeat. It's a little bit happier. I really love the riff. Um, I, it's it kind of reminds me of University because that's when the song came out for me. Um, and I know there's a live performance out there where he talks about dedicating the song to the dorms. And so it's hard to kind of separate that from when I lived in, in the dorms in university and this album <laughs> a couple of years later. Uh, so it, I, I really, I'm a big fan of that song as well. That's the only one that I would really maybe say that deserves a lot of attention off of that album. And then Beth Rest is a pretty big departure. It's a little bit more synthy. It's a little bit more ska. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of of like I don't know. I, I guess I would compare it to almost like a dream pop, like a beach house or something like that. Like it definitely has that influence from them. Um, but I, I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of that song as well. I just think it's a little bit out there uh, for this album. That's pretty grounded in terms of its instrumentation and and, and the real instruments that are used on it. Uh, that covers the two first ones. So I yeah. think that that's a pretty good rundown. Um, from there, this is again, when a lot of his work with, with Kanye, uh, between Boney Bear and when, uh, 22 million came out, we heard him perform on lost in the world, which is on the intro to playlist, but two big songs that I know that we're both a fan of on, uh, Jesus hold my liquor and I'm in it. I'm in it is probably one of the most aggressive Kanye songs and yeah, I fucking I'm love it. For that. Um, and the hook is just, here's my thing. I, I read the track list for Yeezus and just who was contributing to it. And I looked at hold my liquor and hold my liquor. When the credits came out, it was featuring chief Keef and Justin Vernon and keeping in mind that at this point in time, Justin Vernon had done forever forever ago. And then 
Bon Iver, Bon Iver, which is, de- is he hasn't reached kind of that like demonic phase of like just, you know, using a lot more synthesizers and sampling. So to have this juxtaposition of, of Chief Keef, who's like pr- at that point in time was coming out of Chicago, was probably in prison repeatedly by the time that his first album came out, was working with Kanye West. And then you had this kind of like elusive folk singer named Justin Vernon who had worked with Kanye in the past on Dark Twisted Fantasy and you put them on the same song and you don't really know what to expect and then you get Hold My Liquor which is arguably one of the best songs on Yeezus um, it's so strange that he's able to kind of I guess this is more of a testament to Kanye right now but the fact that he's able to hear Justin and, and be able to augment his own work with them we talked about it on the intro too but like so much of his music after Dark Twisted Fantasy leaned on the best things that came out of the music that he did with Justin throughout this whole process. Right. So I'm a huge fan of those two songs. There's a couple other songs on Jesus that he's on as well. He's on, I am a God, which I I'm a big fan of as well. And, uh, and I'm in it, which we talked about. And he is the, I think he's the chorus voice on, I'm in it other than the sample. I think the assassin sample is probably the other part of that song that has the heaviest feature, but those two are big for me. I don't know if you agree. I don't know if you disagree. I don't know if there's uh anything to add yeah like if we're talking kanye i mean that's yeah i can't handle my liquor but these people can't handle me yeah it's good like yeah it's great it's great it's great i mean that's from a time when i wasn't even listening to bonnie bear so that that was like a phase of my life where i would see that he was featured on songs where you know justin vernon was featured on songs and i would really have no connection to anything and then I go and listen to the source material and his other projects and then go back and listen to that and have a greater appreciation for it. So, I mean, love that. Big fan of that. Um, but, I mean, going into 22 a million after that, right? When we we finish My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and then go into 22 a million, right? He had a couple of songs in between I want to make sure I'm just going to verify this really quickly. He had a couple songs in between his work with Kanye and 22 million that were kind of like a a forecast for what might've been coming on 22 million. So I'm just going to check because he did work with Francis and the lights um, and with James Blake. And that's really where you started to hear him go down the path of what he did on woods a little bit more. So uh, what's the song I'm thinking of? I need a forest fire and fall Creek boys choir. Those are two songs. Color and Anything, I'm pretty sure, came out after 22 a million, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just going to double check that real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a song with Francis and the Lights, who, small tidbit of information, uh, he spent a lot of time with in in Eau Claire, I guess. He kind of talked about it in his interview with Zane Lowe about Francis living with him for a while. Um, and so there's, there's some comical... Uh, background there uh given that chance sampled uh friends before friends was released for a song on coloring book called summer friends i remember at the time thinking that he sounded a lot like justin vernon um, and then it turns out that the song that they used as kind of the reference for that song was released at a later time and it was called friends and it actually featured justin vernon so it's kind of a joke on the fan base more than anything because he was actually a part of the song even though francis and the lights was credited as the as the feature on that song so to give a little bit of background on that yes color and anything came out a few months before uh 22 million it came out in may 22 million came out in september of that year so you could definitely hear the uh the 
beginnings of what we were going to start to hear on 22 a million through his work with James Blake and with Francis and the lights. Um, and then outside of that, he had done some side work. I know he had done an album with volcano choir, which is a little bit more out there. Definitely worth checking out as well. Um, if you like some of the more obscure, uh, Justin Vernon work like Diarmid Edison and some of his solo work, just as Justin Vernon. Uh, and then, yeah, we hit 22 million, which is what we're, we can talk about a little bit more now. This is my favorite album in the catalog, obviously. Um, if you want to do your standout tracks again, and I can kind of come back to them and see what, what we cross over here. Yeah, I must say my standout tracks and your standout tracks in the first album or in the second album, Bon Iver, we pretty much touched on every song on that album, um, which I think is a testament to the quality of that album. Um, and 22 Million is, I don't think, will be any different. I really just want to talk about two songs in specific. Uh, I'm sure when you open it up and you go into yours, I'm going to have more thoughts on it as well. Sure. But I feel like, you know, 10... D, capital E, capital A, capital T, <laughs> lowercase H, B, capital R, capital E, lowercase A, S, capital T, two dice showing a number five is an amazing <laughs> song. I think the the track name in itself is a riddle. And when you get out of that riddle, you know, and just also the one thing I didn't mention is between each of those characters, there's a space, which I don't understand why, but that song to me is is fantastic like oh the drums in it it's amazing the hearing it live was like the, this this album live is what really made me a bonnie Vare fan and i think i said that on the last one but you know hearing you know sixes which is actually six 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 upside down backwards cross um just that e oh naturally oh you know that yeah i would love if you could recreate how you tried to describe the song to me oh yeah okay so i'll tell <laughs> quick quick story before time. you knew what the title of the song was please yeah, yeah. before so <laughs> daniel was really trying to get me into uh bonnie Vare when we were already in you know in town waiting for his show so he would always play this song and it was a live version of the song. And I thought, man, those drums sound so good. And like the distorted nature of it. Oh, it's, it's amazing. So I remember asking Daniel, like, can you play this song for me? Like, he's, what song? I'm like, this song. He goes like, yow, yow. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what the? There's no, like, you're making it sound like, you know, the E-I-E-I-O. And I was like, no, no, man. It's a song. <laughs> It's like it turned out that it was this song it was sixes live and there's a part in it where <laughs> on the recorded version you can't really hear it much but like on the live version it's way more evident that it's somebody's just like and then he goes heard about it and then i kept trying to sing that but like i said I don't know lyrics so i'd just be like and anyways long story short that was sixes so that's it was it was entertaining to watch you try to do that and then just i'm like what the fuck is he trying to do yeah you're doing that you were like doing a weird sound that's a great yeah love that song drums again drums you know how i am about drums the drums on that song are amazing um and i think i think it's two underscores i don't know underscore underscore 45 underscore underscore it might be 45 yeah whatever it is the that's where you see the messino effect uh saxophone um Mm -hmm. which you can insert right here (laughs) 
Well, I've been coughing fire. Well, I've been caught in fire. Well, I've been caught in fire. Well, I've been caught in fire. Boom. Messino effect. Uh really draws you into that and that i think to me highlights the creativity of what he is doing on this album and really puts it into perspective like who would have thunk to use something that distorts and uses auto-tune with a instrument that traditionally you're playing like if you're playing brass it's your just how you're blowing how you're playing the shape of the instrument the age of the instrument things like like that but then turning that into a technological future while still like respecting the analog nature of it instead of just playing it on a keyboard or a synthesizer with like you know samples and distorting the samples it's live and done with like this unknown dice roll effect i think is it, it just romanticizes the idea of how this song came together for me so it really stands out yeah, it actually it's grown on me a lot. Forty five to me was not a standout track, and then the last couple of times I listened to the live album, it's actually been one of the first songs that I've played. Um, I think ten. If I can go into kind of my run, is there anything other songs that you want to mention? Oh yeah, go into your run. Go into your run. So for me, ten death breaths for sure. There's actually two versions to the song, so I've included the single version, which is the one I prefer on the intro to, and then there's the album version that cuts short by about thirty seconds. It doesn't have the same extended. Um, sax outro uh, and then 22 over soon also was cut a little bit short on the album and the single version is a little bit different so the single versions are in the intro to playlist the uh the album versions are on the album which you'd have to search through um wherever you're streaming your music so if you want to hear the distinction between the two you can but i much prefer the single versions death breast for sure I cover kind of the same area as you but it's definitely one of my favorite songs i would describe it as post jesus like it is it is very much um it's one of the most out there songs the the drums are distorted the percussion is distorted on the song the vocals are distorted the instruments for the most part are distorted distorted and then he's got his regular voice over a kind of demonic um messina voice underlying the 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 song as well so it's definitely the most the biggest kind of example of what he did with changing the way that he filtered his instruments um 33 god live is so good man i i, I really really oh, so good i i like that I, I, there's no song on here that i really dislike there's songs that i definitely uh, put above everything else but for me uh three 33 god is is right up there as one of the best songs on the album sixes which you covered and then uh creeks i really like too creeks is is, is a song that again is on the intro to playlist but uh creeks is uh, an expansion of what he did with Woods already and with some of the work that he's done with some of the artists that we've mentioned on the podcast. The other song I will call out, Eight Circle, the longest song on the album, if I'm not mistaken, by quite a bit, by about a minute, over sixes. Um, it's It sounds very Springsteen to me. I don't know if you feel the same way, but it he doesn't really use the falsetto. He definitely uses his speaking voice on the song a lot more. Um, it's the only real ballad on the album, yeah. I'd say. Uh, and it's it's excellent. And hearing it live, the, the, there's a there's a part in the song where everything gets stripped out, and you just hear this kind of ascending scale of of uh, of brass instruments, and then everything kind of comes back up. The drums are are, are these booming drums that really back it, um, and then his vocals come back in, and it's very heavy. But 
I, I never grew up a huge Bruce Springsteen uh, fan, but listening to this song and then listening to, to some Springsteen material, like you definitely hear the influence there. At least I hear the influence there. Um, and that's another a big standout for me and also one of my favorite songs to see him play live. Unfortunately, he didn't play it on his last tour live, but Sixes, he kind of flipped a little bit and, and used an arpeggiator with the synthesizer on on, uh, on Sixes and just kind of looped it so it went a little bit faster. It's a great performance. Um, that was a little bit different than when we had seen when we went out to Minnesota to see him. So 22 million, I stand behind it. I don't think there's a bad song on this album. I think if, if you want to, I, I wouldn't start here. Um, but if you want to, if you want to definitely go into to the depths of what Bonnie Iver has kind of turned into uh, 10 songs, 35 minutes, it's not a long album. Um, it's pretty hard to digest. If you haven't listened to his previous material, I'd say I wouldn't start here, but it's rewarding as you go back to it um, over, over time. Um, and then, yeah, the artwork and everything else that we've talked about, big fan of as well. So everything about this album to me is kind of peak bony bear. Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. I mean, going back and I'm never going to do any vocal recording artist justice, but when he gets in that, you know, like he gets like that <laughs> almost like, I don't even know. Somebody will write me, I'm sure. And let me know what that's called. But when he starts singing that part in eight circles, like, Oh my God, that song is great. Yeah, I know what so, I know. It's I know what you're so talking about. Great, yeah. It's rare you don't see him use kind of a, a spectrum of all of his voices. So that's kind of maybe why I like Eight Circle. The way that I do is he he really just stays in his kind of in his. Yeah. Uh, he's not monotonous. Obviously, he's singing, but he does stay in that one tone, which is his speaking voice, and you don't hear that a lot on a lot of his of his songs. You usually hear his his higher pitched singing voice or his falsetto. So I think it's, it's nice to hear him carry a song entirely with his, with his deeper voice. Like I, when I think about it, I think about like, if I were to match that song up to a moment in a movie that I was living in, that would be me looking at a photo of the girl who got away while it's raining outside and trying to work up the courage to go back out and find her. <laughs> like that's, that's what goes through my mind while listening to that. It's like, okay. that, thanks like, for painting the picture for us. Slow pace of like regret and like love and trying to really like cope with it and move past it. And then like just going for it in the end, I think is what that means to me. Are you going to do it? No. Okay. <laughs> just <had to> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Not yet. Oh, Next no. album. Next album, yeah, yeah. Eight circle, circle, or eighteen circle, circle, <laughs> circle, whatever he calls it. <laughs> Eight double circle. Eight double circle. Uh, okay, that takes us through twenty-two a million. Um, the other stuff that has come out of this album, I'm a big fan of of the Love Loss and Auto Tune album by Swamp Dog. I've been kind of peppering this into our conversation all week, Shane. Uh, but you do hear Justin contribute pretty significantly to that project, and obviously it had an impact. Swamp Dog has been a long it's been around for a long time, um, but you hear a lot of Justin um, influencing that album and, and, and really being uh, an underlying presence on it. So there's a song on there called I Pretend or I'll Pretend, sorry, that sounds very true to what uh, 22 A Million is. Um, and it's uh, Swamp Dog is the primary vocalist with the uh, the backing effect that has has become kind of a staple for, for Justin since 22 A Million. So highly recommend checking out uh, I'll Pretend um, by... 
by Swamp Dog. And then there is a song that came out last year called Sleeping Without You is a Drag, which is not in the same vein as as uh, 22 Million, but it does reunite Justin and Swamp Dog again. And it sounds a little bit more akin to I.I., which is the next album that we're going to talk about. So this is your favorite, again, Recency Effect uh, McLaughlin or Recency Effect. What's your second effect. last name? Oh, it was Recency Messina Messina effect. effect. Recency Messina. Yeah, Recent Messina. Recent Messina. So this is your favorite album. Uh, what are your takeaways? What are your oh, what are God. your songs that you want to go back to? Obviously, Hey Ma. Like, duh. You like, don't say. That's so easy. Also, like, I Am I. Like, yeah. It, and it took me an embarrassing long time to realize that there's <laughs> that the lyrics are literally I am I at, at points. I, I am, I am, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, I am, I am. I could never pick up on that. And then I, picked, <laughs> I randomly picked up on it and was like, oh, that's why this song is titled this. This makes sense. Um, love that song, obviously. It's something where, you know, when you really want to sing embarrassingly out loud, you could do that. I am, I am, I am. I don't know why I keep doing that for the listeners out there. Um, Man Like You is good. It's like, um, it's really, it's really, that's that to me is like an endearing, intimate song, you know? Mm-hmm. It's uh, different as well, I find, than the other songs on the album with the piano-driven nature of it. Yeah, there's a couple of songs on this album. I'm just going to interject here for a second. So uh, You, Man Like, uh, Holy Fields, uh, let's call Gelmore, and then I think Marion, they all sound like interludes. Like they're short. They're, uh, I'd say they're relatively concise because obviously they're short, but they have almost this like jarring different sound that kind of exists uh in the album that break it up in a in a healthy way i think i, I didn't really like Gelmore when i first heard it and i wasn't sure how to feel about man like but in the context in the context of the album i think they really really work well but they do sound like interludes like they don't sound like complete songs to me they sound almost like ideas that were i don't want to say half-baked because they sound complete but they just after coming off of an album like 22 million where you had songs that are, you know, five minutes long, five and a half minutes long, four and a half minutes long, there's a lot of brevity on this album. So you get really two songs that are over the four minute mark in Naeem and uh, Shadaya, both of which are, are favorites of mine on the album. Um, but the rest of the album is pretty brief. I'm uh, sorry. I'm I I am I is uh, three is only three minutes and 16 seconds. We is only two minutes and 23 seconds. Everything else kind of floats in and around that 3.30 or under range. Uh, so you you don't get a lot of expanded, like long dragged out music. He is really kind of concise and, and to the point on a lot of these songs. And I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that it takes a certain amount of of, of, uh, of focus and, 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 uh, and, and directivity to be able to get to the point where you can just like put out the song and then move on to the next one. Um, whereas on 22 million, it feels like he was able to drag out songs a little bit more and kind of juice them to, to, to get a little bit more out of them. And these ones, he's okay cutting them short as soon as they've kind of fulfilled their purpose. Yeah, I would, I, I agree with you. It, it, to me also, um, Marion feels more like a, like a for Emma style song. Cause it's like the acoustic falsetto, acoustic, like the guitar, drives a lot of it there's not really that synth drum in it um and i find when it comes to uh gelmore it's more so like is it gelmore that i'm thinking of yeah where it's like 
him more so just talking over like a synth. synth yeah. But yeah, Naeem or however it's pronounced, I think is, oh God, that song is, it's almost sexual. It's so good. It's just like. <laughs> you can make any song sexual if you want. Yeah, you're not wrong. But I feel like they named that song again. That's another song like I Am I, where it's, I think it's a play on that. Name is actually the name of somebody. So that song okay, was named well, after somebody. There you go. And that person <laughs> has a, a sexual name. They were born. <laughs> they were the product of sexual activity. But the drums in that, again, drums. I'm a drums guy. Oh, it's so good. Like, admittedly, I'm listening to parts of songs at the same time that we're recording this, and I'm talking about it because I'm just like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so That's one of those songs I was listening to at the same time. So I did a little bit of research here on Naeem. Naeem is a, a rapper's name that features on other tracks on the album, and his his name previously was more sexual. His name was Spank Rock. Perfect. Yeah, I knew it. So you can... <laughs> You kind of nailed it somehow yeah, in the most it. roundabout way possible. Yeah. I think I'm looking okay. at the, the, like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. Naeem is a great song. Yeah. I love that song. It's so freaking good. Um, also, I think what's funny about this, this album too is like, if you listen to these songs and you heard them live other than Hey Ma and Faith, I don't think you would really guess what the name of the other songs are on this album. Like I wouldn't hear Naeem and think that it's called Naeem. It would, no. it would be, something I could different. hear crying or something yeah. like that. Or, yeah. 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 Like it's, uh, it's crazy. Well, and the song was used in an ad for Nike as well. Oh, was it? Hmm? So oh, apparently, that I didn't know. apparently the song was originally titled, I could hear crying. But Justin Vernon renamed it in honor of one of the contrib- the contributors, which was Naeem Juwan Hanks. There you go. There it is. Spank Rock. Also he, known as Spank Rock. He helped write um, Man Like. Man Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah. Well, God, that album's good. Yeah, great album. Uh, Shadaya grew on me a lot on that album as well. I See, think it's, like, it so, kind of drags out at the end, but yeah. it's just such I, a I really do name. like it. Shadaya. Yeah. Like it's like Shasha Dada's. Shasha. Shadaya. You think you named it after us because of our contributions to this album? Definitely. Shadaya. Maybe. We'll find out. I'm sure it's a name as well. I think a lot of the songs on this album are, are taken after names. So a couple of background, uh, a little bit of background, sorry, on some of the songs on here. Um, Faith, which was the second single, was a song that he had in the works since Boney Bear. So if you listen to his interview with Zane Lowe that he did uh, when this album came out, so around August last year, he talked about it being the the first album as Boney Bear that he really felt happy kind of recording. Like there wasn't like an underlying, um, like a stressor, I guess, that contributed to it. We talked about it on the intro too, but 22 million came at a time where he was really having a hard time adjusting to fame and, and, and to being, you know, starting to become a, a household name in music forever, forever ago talked about a lot of the background behind that, you know, isolation and, and, and his band breaking up and, and leaving a romantic relationship. Bon Iver, Bon was an extension of that. Um, so he really talked about this being the first time that he really jumped into 
um, you know, a really happy spot and was able to record as, as, as a happy band. And I think that you hear that on songs like I am. I, there's really, or I am. I, again, I said it, uh, I am. I, but you don't hear a lot of, uh, you don't hear a lot of sadness on this album. Rabbi does talk about, um, some, some topics that are a little bit darker, but I think overall the album's pretty happy. And I think that even in his interview, he talks about having listened to the grateful dead, like becoming a pretty big Grateful Dead fan over the course of the time that he was working on this album um, and then doing a ton of drugs and, and really letting that kind of put him in the headspace to be able to do this, the work that he did on this album. Um, I, I haven't listened to a lot of Grateful Dead, but I, I plan to at some point in time and wonder if I'll have the same revelations that he did and then put out some beautiful music. I hope I doubt so. it, but we'll see. We'll see. And then the art on this album, Shane, you talked about it a lot uh, on the last podcast but just the packaging and the way that he kind of presented this album it's really really well done there's a ton of regional exclusive versions i think japan got a regional exclusive i think europe did as well we have the standard release that came out when the album first came out but came with a slip cover it was made of all upcycled materials it's kind of like a collage of different ideas it's got like a, a photo of the desert and then it's got kind of this black block that almost looks like tape on the left side. And then it's got a lot of colorful symbols kind of in the background. So it, it really does feel a little bit like a fragment of, of, of multiple things. Um, but I do agree that the packaging on this album is, is, is definitely something that you want to see in person. It's, it's really, it's really well put together. It's really well thought out. Wow. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you on all of that. Like it's, it's, I own a sweater from when he came to town and it, that was all done on upcycled material as well. So it's really good to see like an artist who not only just like says he's about something, but lives it, which is really cool. I'm still standing. Still standing in the need of prayer. So that takes us to now. I think that we most recently we saw a re-release of the Blood Bank EP, so we could talk about that just very, very briefly. But um, it featured Blood Bank, which is a song that I would love to talk about a little bit more. It's one of my favorite songs, if not my favorite song live that he does play. Um, that, 33 God, and I think Wolves are probably the three standouts to me. But Blood Bank does feature a live version that was recorded in October of 2018. So highly, highly recommend checking that out. Every song on that EP features a, a counterpart live version. Um, so we can really talk about, so you can really kind of see what we talked about when we talked, when we, when we were trying to kind of explain how different his live show can be from listening to his album. So highly recommend it. It's eight songs if you include the four standard tracks and then four live tracks. Uh, the live tracks are really drawn out and quite a bit longer than the album tracks themselves. But that you'll hear, uh, you'll hear Blood Bank live on the Deep Dish playlist, and then you can listen to the rest of the album on streaming services. It's got a red cover. They redid the art. He's kind of got a habit of re-releasing um, with new art at anniversary points. So we did it with Ferema. Hopefully we get it for Bon Iver, uh, Bon Iver, Bon Iver. Maybe we'll get some extra tracks there as well. And then whenever 22 a million 
turns 10 years old, six years from now, maybe we'll get some uh, some more exclusive music that was recorded during that time. But so. for now, you can check out Blood Bank. It's available to stream on all major streaming services, and you can pick up the record on his website or at your local record shop if they are shipping to you um, during these quarantine times. Yeah, and one last thing that I think sure. I, I learned in my research about Justin that I think speaks to just how odd he is like just an odd person is he he wrote on Forema he wrote the song Flume um, with a guitar that he bought on eBay for $170 and what he believes is certain instruments only have a certain number of songs in them so he wrote the song on that guitar and then felt like that guitar was now out of its songs so he kept <laughs> the guitar but never wrote another song with it so like, I, th- I think that speaks to like you know, in the last podcast when we talked about just like when he opens his mouth and talks and you're like, what is what is he talking about? It's kind of the same sort of thing. It's you got to take him as he is. It's an interesting filter. Like it's he's a creative, obviously. So it's kind of tough to to put yourself in the same headspace. And I'm sure a lot of other artists have isms like that as well. But it's yeah, it, there's something about him that just seems very like grounded in the way that maybe he can't properly articulate himself. We talked about this on the last podcast, but like, you know, his intentions are super pure and he cares a lot about, you know, what's going on in the world. And, and there's just, you can't break through. It just seems like that's kind of guy that you're like, yeah, like, tell us how you really feel and you just can't quite articulate it the right way. But luckily we have his music to be able to kind of um, do that work for him instead of having him sit up on stage and awkwardly kind of ramble for 45 minutes to an hour so that we could vaguely understand what he means yeah it's it's interesting it's interesting it's worth checking out anyways tons of his live stuff is available online on youtube highly recommend checking out his live work as 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 we've talked about at length um that's all i got man that's all i got for a yeah. deep dish on, on bon Bear. we can yeah, we can do a couple more of these. I'd love to do these with a couple of other artists that we really uh, that we really want to dive into a little bit more. Some of which probably have some deeper catalogs, but um, this was a, this this felt good. This felt like a good deep dive. Yeah, it felt fun. Deep, nice little deep dish. Nice little deep dish for us. Uh, check us out on social media. The Slice To uh, Twitter is a little bit barren right now, but it will get going as we have some content to push on there um check us out yeah slice to instagram check out the stories check out the posts we're gonna have some more content coming to you shortly and then spotify and apple music will have the deep dish playlist as soon as you were hearing this podcast which should be hopefully in the next couple weeks after we've recorded this if not uh, in the coming months yeah groovy cool everybody enjoy the rest of your today is sunday so i'm gonna say sunday but you'll be listening to this on a monday if you're listening to it on the first day enjoy the rest of your sunday monday shane Sup. What has it been? It's been a slice. Thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Clean your piddle.